Hello, what's up? It's Aiden Jones. You're listening to Sitting Under a Tree, Tuesday, the 10th of December, 2019. Did I just breathe on the mic? Uh, I hope not. I hope I didn't breathe on the mic, but if I did, I'm also okay with that, you know? Sometimes in life, I think we just have to accept things. (laughs) That's a funny phrase to say, isn't it? Like, uh... That's very, very like grandiose or, or it really has pretensions about itself, that phrase. Sometimes in life, I think we just have to accept things. <laughs> That's good shit. Man, I just watered my garden. I'm feeling good. Um, oh, my God. My marigolds are flowering like crazy. The ones next to the, next to the fence flowered first but their flowers are small the ones next to the house that i think have a little bit better of an angle on the light because there's not tomato plants all around them they're flowering they're flowering dude red alert they're flowering the marigolds are flowering no they are i mean there would never be a siren to to say when the marigolds are because it's not one moment is it it's a slow process and you that's the beauty of gardening is you you witness that over time there is no one definitive moment where the marigolds are considered to have flowered but it's a series of moments can you tell that i'm being sarcastic that i don't actually believe these things that i'm saying i hope so (laughs) it's really nice though you know what's a sad thought? This is a sad thought. You ready? Make sure you're sitting down. I wish I had someone to give them to. <laughs> That's, I'm a little bit lonely, you know? That would be nice if I was like dating someone and I was like, I mean, they're not even the right side. They're not like the kind of flowers that you would give to someone, I don't think. But it'd still be nice just to be like, hey, have these flowers. Do you ever give flowers to your friends? Does anyone ever give flowers to their mates? I'm not sure. Is that something you can do? I remember last year when I was dating someone and that person noticed that Blake, my housemate, was sad and she was like, we should get him flowers. And I I think we did it. Did we do it? Or we were going to... Maybe, no, we bought a bunch of balloons and we were going to blow them up and fill his room up with balloons. I think I might do that, actually, still this week before he gets back. That'd be funny because it'd be all tired from the flight and shit. Vasquez isn't here. No one's in his room. He gets back on Thursday. I just fill his room with balloons. (laughs) Oh, I'm 100% going to do that. Yeah, I thought of it before, but I didn't know that I'd have time. I reckon I'll have time. I'll do it today. And then I'll like maybe do a little bit tomorrow. Because blowing up balloons is just a nice, you know, it's just a thing to do that doesn't mean anything. But it's just like, let me just sit down and perform this task. It's kind of relaxing. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Blake, if you're listening to this, you're not. But if you are, I've, I've filled your room up with balloons. <laughs> I could get Blake flowers, but no, I'm like I could pick the flowers from my garden and give them. The, but, but that would be weird, wouldn't it? He just comes home and I'm like, hey, man, I've got, some- <laughs> I've got- I don't even, I don't even cut them like at the stems. I just- <laughs> Give them just a handful of flowers. 
<laughs> he just gets home. He's got his bag on from the airport. I just hold my hand out and there's five just heads of flowers in my head. I'm like, oh, I gave these. I'm giving these to you for you to have them. He'd <laughs> be like, are you all right, man? <laughs> Put the flowers down and give me a hug. <laughs> Maybe that's what giving flowers to someone really is. It's just your way of saying, hey, can I have a hug, please? You're not giving them flowers. You're asking for a hug. Here's where a cynical person would say that giving someone flowers is an inherently selfish act. Not me. Not me. I don't have anyone to give them to. They do. They look really beautiful, you know. I was just listening to um, to Mark Maron on his podcast talk... uh, to another comic who's 40 and, and Mark Maron's 55 and they were talking about relationships and uh, Maron's just going, you know, he was kind of talking about how it's taken him so long in his life, it took him to his mid-40s to even establish a life for himself and um, and then he was going, you know, like I've, I've got this life and I've got it and I'm just now kind of figuring out the things that I like to do and maybe I want to keep those things for myself. Like, do I have to share them with someone, you know? I guess that's a person in the later reaches of their life coming to terms with the fact that maybe the reason they've not had any successful relationships is that they don't like sharing their life with someone. Maybe that's me. I mean, maybe I'm just taking someone else's realisations and applying them to my own life rather than having the... the the fucking courage and energy to figure out the things that I want. Or maybe I just fucking want to go out in my garden and look up the flowers that I grew and not show them to anyone. That's not true at all, though, as soon as Blake gets home. I I don't think I want to cut them because I don't want to give them to anyone. I just want them to keep growing, you know. But eventually they'll die and all things end and I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, man. (laughs) I've had, uh, what was, last night was pretty shitty. I had a bad gig last night. Oh, my tea is still so hot. These are the real problems that I'm concerned with. My tea being too hot. I don't care about flowers or death or loneliness, but fucking tea, that's something that affects me right now. And that tea is too hot. (sighs) Ah. Yeah, I did a gig last night and uh, I was very, I was uninspired. I was just thinking about it now just before the podcast. I I was too caught up in telling these stories that I have rather than being in the moment and figuring out what I actually wanted to talk about. I started talking to some guy about his dad. I can't remember what was said, but I kind of spoke to him about it. But the whole time I was doing this thing that I hate, which was I was just talking to him clearly trying to direct the conversation towards the start of this fucking joke that I wanted to do rather than actually talk to him, you know. I should have stopped for a second and talked to the guy who had taken the time out of his day to engage me. That's nice, right? But rather than do that, I just went, oh, I have this story that I want to tell about me and my dad. Fucking stupid. I went and saw a magic show on... uh, on Saturday, Saturday, yeah, it was Saturday, and 
that show was very uninspired. His, I'm what I'm about to do is judge someone's show that they put on after in full knowledge that I myself put on a very fucking insipid performance last night. But anyway, um, I uh, yeah, f- uh, fucking Jonathan Schuster. Big shout outs to to Jonathan Schuster. Um, put a status on Facebook the other day. I don't have my phone; it's charging, but. Um, Trying to remember. The status was something like, uh, I have two free tickets to a magic show or to an illusionist show, and then in brackets, I adore magic. <laughs> that was funny. Like, he had to reassure. Because as soon as you go, I got two free tickets to an illusionist show, and you're a comedian, every other comedian who's reading that is like, oh, this is a setup. He's going to try and fuck with me somehow. And um, so he's put, I adore magic. <laughs> <laughs> the word adore is very earnest, isn't it? Um, so two free tickets to an illusionist show, Saturday, 2.30pm in the city. If anyone wants to go, here you go. And I know this seems like I'm setting you up, but I promise you I'm not. I just can't go anymore and I want someone to go. So there's free tickets. And the first thing I thought, I saw that and I was like trying to think of a way. I was trying to, you know, I was going to like call him gay. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I wanted to do was I was like trying to think of a funny, smart way to, you know, call him gay or, or whatever fucking stupid shit that I was going to say to be like, you're stupid, illusionist, I'm better than you. And then I realized that it like no one had commented yet and it was a minute ago and I was like, why don't I, why don't I go to an illusionist show? Why don't I just go? I'm not doing anything on Saturday. Why am I better than that? I had a moment of like, why don't I let open my heart to the magic in the world? Yes, maybe this is going to be a beautiful day for me. I mean, what it was in the Athenaeum. What what magic show would be in the Athenaeum? That's I it, when I first read it, I thought it was in the thousand seat main room at the Athenaeum. It's not. It wasn't. It was in the upstairs room. But still, you know, what a beautiful prospect. And um, so I, uh, I, I enlisted the help of my friend Grace Jarvis and we went uh, Saturday afternoon and we, it was, it was disappointing. I guess I'll just, you know, Grace was, Grace had her, her, her uh, doubts beforehand. We rocked up at the Athenaeum, oh, how's this? I dropped my fucking uh, headphone case for, I got wireless headphones. I dropped them on Friday night in uh, in the the hole in Flinders Street Station, like down where the tracks are, you know? I was getting out of the train and I had a jumper and my headphones case was like in the bit of the jumper and the case opened up as they dropped. The headphones popped out, so the headphones were on the platform, but the case, with which is what you use to charge it, dropped down into the thing. And I'm like, I could just jump down there and get it because there's no train, like the train leaves, and you know. But I want to do the right thing. I know it's you're not supposed to do that, and I guess at some point in your life, what did I say before? <laughs> Sometimes in life, you just have to accept things, you know. And I need to accept that I'm no longer a fucking grotty little rat who's just going to fuck your signs, dude. Taco jumps down and when he wants to jump down on shit. (laughs) I'm 28 years old. Maybe I should just do what you're supposed to do, which is go and get someone and be like, hey, man, I dropped my shit down there and 
I know you're liable if I go down and I'm, I'm aware of the concept of insurance. <laughs> like I remember when I was 16 crossing the tracks for the tram when I was walking to school and some guy pulling me up and be like, hey, your parents would be, haven't you thought about how sad your parents would be if you got hit by a, tra- a tram and died? And I was like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> you know, because I didn't care about anyone but myself and I just wanted to cross the tram tracks and I'd, I mean, also that guy can probably go fuck himself. I'm not. I, I'm not a fucking moron. I can see when there's trams. Tra- but by the same token, I you know there's plenty of times in my life that I've nearly been hit by a bus or whatever. Accidents happen. Okay, so when I drop my headphone thing down into what I now know is called the pit, part of me thought, you know, maybe it'd be clever and and just prudent to not go down there by myself and fucking just reach in like there might be electricity or danger or I don't know. So I go and ask someone, hey, man, can you help me get my headphone thing out of the the spot there? And the guy looks over and he's like, oh, okay, we got to go to the office and do a report. I go up there into the bowels of Flinders Street Station. I also realised that that guy let me come out through the barriers so I didn't need to touch my ticket. So maybe a good way to not pay for the train was just it would be just every day go, hey man, it's me again. I lost my headphones down there. Can you help me make a report? And then when he lets you out, you go, fuck you, dude. I didn't lose shit. I don't have to pay for the train. <laughs> just every day. <coughs> like as he opened the gate, I went round and I touched my phone out to you know get make the gate open and he looked at me like oh yeah of course you have to let yourself out and in my head I was like if I didn't tap in on the first so when I came in I could have just got out with you bro no one would have been the wiser anyway I got make my report and uh then on Saturday before I go to the magic show I had to wait for the whole night like I wasn't you know it was peak hour so I couldn't get them then because there were too many trains coming I just I don't understand that they told me there's too many trains now because it's 5 p.m. There's trains coming like every three minutes. So I'm like, you think it takes me three minutes to go down and get and pick up my fucking headphone case with my hands? You think I can't drop down like a one meter drop and get that? I mean, I get it. There's rules and stuff, but fuck, man. It just, I, yeah, I guess someone went down there one time and died. But I asked the guy as we were walking, I was like, are those tracks electrocuted? He was like, no, man, it's a train. I was like, well, fuck, why don't we just jump down? But you're not allowed to because they have cameras. And if you jump down, like there's rules for not jumping down because they're scared that you're going to fucking kill yourself. That you, uh, I don't know, it's so infuriating, just the, the, the regulations and shit. So I had to fill out a form and go back on Saturday and get it. I get there and it still took like half an hour from when I got there to like wait for the person and then he had to go get some big claw and we go out there and then when we get there, there's a guy with the claw and a lady with a radio and she radios the people who are like controlling where the trains come in and she's like, hey, just checking, there's no train and I'm like, I can see down the line, I can see there's no train but you you got to check on the radio that there's no train. All right, fuck, fine. And then she's like, all clear, all clear, all clear, good, yes. And then she turns to the man with the claw 
And she's like, go. And then how's that, like, that's how official that part of the operation is. They've got a radio and a guy in a tower with lasers and whatever. And then when it comes to actually getting my fucking headphones case out of there, it's just a guy with a big metal stick with, like, literally a claw on the end and a trigger with string to make the claw clamp. And he reaches that down into the pit to grab my headphone and it's got like bits of tape on the end to get it out. I'm like, you guys are really fucking idiots, man. <laughs> I know I'm the one who dropped my shit down there, but come on. There's got to be a better way. <laughs> There's no better way. Just let me climb down. I'm not, I promise you, let me sign a form that says I promise that I won't die when I go down to- <laughs> <laughs> to get my headphones out of the pit. Would that be acceptable? Can I waive my my fucking life insurance or whatever reason is that I can't climb down there? Why do you care if I die? Someone has to clean it up, I guess. Let me put down a cleaning deposit. Let me put down a $500 deposit so that I can climb down into the pit and then if I die, you use that deposit to pay the dude to clean up my fucking dead body because I got hit by the train because you really think I'm that fucking stupid. (laughs) Anyway, I got my headphones back. And I went to the magic show and it was fine. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Maybe if those guys were really fucking magic, I could have got them down to Flinders Street Station to magic my headphones back up onto the platform. Guy who thinks magic is real and wants to really disprove. Guy who's like <laughs> someone who's that was the thing. All right, this is about the magic show. I'll talk about the magic show now. My friend Jonathan, who got me the tickets, was asking me, "Was there anything that you you really wanted to know? They didn't know, like you didn't know how they did it. Like how did they do that? What was the?" And that was my problem with this magic show was I didn't really care. We were there for 75 minutes and then we left. It was a two-hour show. We looked on, Grace looked on her phone. How long is this show? When we were 75 minutes in and she was like, dude, it's two hours. We still have 45 minutes left. And it's just like, oh my God, man. It was way too long. I like magic. I saw a great magic show in Edinburgh like a year ago. This kid was just kind of explaining magic. You know, he was talking about cards and how he got into magic and why he likes it. And in the explanations, he would show us things and he would do tricks with them. And it was Cool, and I didn't know how he did it, and I wanted to know how he did it. That was part of it. I guess part of magic, you can do the tricks, but you also have to make people care about the trick, you know? There's got to be some sort of stakes. Why do I want to know how you did that? Because for me, and I guess most people who don't want to do magic, like I I have no desire to do magic, so I don't want to know how it's done. But you can still make me want to know. Right? And that's the illusion around the trick. Or that's like the fucking skill, the art of it is making me want to know how did you do that? And when I was watching this show, like it was two was a, a a man and a lady and they were I guess they were in their forties or fifties or maybe sixties, I don't know, they were pretty old. And that gave me confidence because I was like, Oh, they've been doing this for a long time, they're pros and this is gonna be a bit of showmanship, you know? And it's at the Athenaeum, beautiful old theatre, and it was just so hack, man. It was so hack. It really disappointed me. Like, they could do the magic. The craft was there. But the ways that they were selling the tricks was like, they were dressed up, you know, like they were... They said their backstory was like, we're from Sicily and 
and and then the lady was like, oh, I learned this. A, a gypsy lady on the street taught me how to do this thing. And it was like, did she though? Did she actually? Or are you just lying to me? And like the lie is not even good, you know? A gypsy lady, really? What is this, fucking Snatch or Lock, Stock and Two Smoke? Like is it a Guy Ritchie film? I don't care, man. Everything that they did was like just so contrived and, and, and cliched and it like... How did you actually learn that trick? I would love to know that. The story of how you learned the trick. Maybe there's an interesting story. Maybe an interesting person actually taught you that trick. Not a gypsy lady that you made up because you fucking saw affairs at Queen Vic Markets and you were like, oh, that'll go with the fairs, gypsies. Ugh, I didn't care. After 75 minutes, we left. And then, but I still, <laughs> Schuster was like posting on the status that he put. He was like, I want a picture of you two and the fun time you're having. So I posted a picture of us. And then publicly, he was like, what was your favorite part of the show? And my favorite part of the show was the bit when it was fucking up, when they, this lady had to pick a thing out of a bag. And she kept picking the wrong thing like 15 times. <laughs> Eventually, the guy was like getting impatient. And he was going like, we'll do two more. And if we don't get it, then we'll move on. <laughs> it just kept not working. <laughs> Fucking, that was real good. Where's your magic now, Mr. Fairs man? <laughs> Here was another, retrospectively, another bit of the... The show was just called... I won't say what the name of the show was, but it was just called like a generic thing. It wasn't sold on any of their two names. So they were like long in the business, like they were older, but they hadn't done anything in their, I assume, long careers to warrant like any level of fame. They couldn't sell anything based on their names, you know? So they were just selling it based on like, it's a magic show. And um, I mean, I guess magic's not big enough that these famous people have any actual appeal based on their names, but then... I, I don't know. I just, I didn't like it. Sorry if that was your show. If you, if you ever listen to this, which again you won't, but I'm sorry. I didn't like your show. I wanted it to be better. I would have rather seen that twenty year old kid that I saw in Edinburgh who actually loved it. <sighs> I did a show on uh, on Friday night. This is a fucking great story that I'm going to be able to tell now. The only problem is summoning up the. I don't know, maybe I'm dead behind the eyes right now. Maybe I'm fucking an uninspired performer. That's the thing. Who am I to judge these guys? What's this podcast that I'm doing right now? Is this inspired? Is this something that I'm bringing joy to every single week? And, oh, yeah, like, is there a level of showmanship to this podcast? Fucking no way. <laughs> not at fucking all. It's just me sitting here drinking a tea. I'm not even in my bedroom this week. I'm sitting in the, at the kitchen table because no one's here. I might as well be naked. Maybe I am naked. Maybe that would be like a fun. <laughs> Maybe that would be a fun little addition to the podcast every week. If I started just doing the podcast naked and not telling anyone. <laughs> it's like, that's like how I need to get into the zone is I just got to take my clothes off and <laughs> just be grabbing my balls while I sit here and talk about my week. <coughs> Sorry for that for that for that image. Sorry, sorry. Apologize. I did this show on Friday night, and um, it. Why well, didn't I? I didn't have a show. Like it wasn't booked. 
I just at 2 p.m. the day of, I get a message from my, my homeboy, Luca Muller, um, telling me that he's got uh, he's got a paid... He, he, what actually happened was he got a paid gig and he couldn't do this charity that he'd agreed to do for free. Um, but he told the organiser of the charity because he didn't want to just be like, hey, I got money, so I don't... You know, so he just told them that he had a family emergency, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, so he asked me to do it to fill in for him. And that was all the information I had. Hey, can you do this charity gig? And uh, the lady who ran the charity was like, oh, can you get here? You're on at 8.45. And I'm like, is there any wiggle room? Because I want to do another show. And she's like, nah, that's what we got. I'm like, okay, I'm not getting a great vibe going into this thing because it's just when someone's really like, you know, this is 100% the time that we're doing it at, I'm like, there's no, you can't like switch me around at all. But also the reason I wanted to be switched around is because in my head, I didn't think that it was going to be like a big event. I thought it was at Hawthorne Arts Centre, but I assumed that it was going to be like in a side room, you know, and someone was just like putting on some thing or whatever, I don't know. But it was in the main hall. I get that. So I get there. Luckily, right, that day, because I just come from this work that I'm doing in a warehouse, I was wearing a white shirt, a white t shirt, and I, uh, I went and got some curry and I spilled shit on my white t shirt. So I went to Target and bought some new t shirts and I put one of them on. And then I, um, did the first gig of Voltaire and then I get to I get an Uber to Hawthorne Arts Centre and I come in the front door and it's like there's a table full of bottles of wine and a dude, like a concierge guy wearing like a bow tie and a tux and I'm like, all right, and I've got my backpack, which still has my lunch boxes in it from work, <laughs> like the food that I cooked myself and took to work that day and it's got the T-shirts that I just bought from, <laughs> you know, from Target. <coughs> And uh, I get in and, and the lady running the show comes up. She's got a masquerade mask on. She's wearing an incredible dinner dress. She's like, oh, Aiden, okay. And I hug her and she takes me into the main hall. Everyone is wearing, it's like a black tie event. Everyone's like, not just like the suit that they had. Everyone's got on nice suits. Suits that maybe some of them have bought for this event. The ladies are wearing amazing dresses. Everyone is dressed up and everyone's got those masquerade masks on. There's like 200 people there. The big stage, the main stage and the main hall of the Hawthorne Arts Centre. And from walking in through the door, 30 seconds it takes the lady running the event to get... She grabs me quickly walks me through some guy from fucking out of nowhere pops up and goes oh I'm the person who saw Luca and I shake his hand I'm like all right I guess this you're the reason I'm doing this gig cool they get me through to backstage and they're like all right call us if you need us (laughs) we'll call you when you're on and I'm just I'm backstage now but it's not a green room it's just a corridor with no lights behind the stage so I'm, I'm just behind the stage I'm behind the two curtains and there's just no lights and I'm like fuck all right what what just happened i'm like messaging luca and and fucking the other guys i'm just like i'm backstage at this show i take a picture i'm like this is where i'm at i'm in the main room and they're just losing their shit I'm like this is not set up for me to do well so i'm like all right i'll go to the toilet 
because I figure there's going to be some people from the show in the toilet or something's going to happen in the toilet, you know, that I can at least just lead with when I go out. And uh, I get in there, I'm peeing, and there's some guys, and they're talking about one of the guys. They're like, oh, that's a nice jacket that you've got on, man, whatever. And I go to wash my hands, and I kind of make a point of looking up, and I'd see him, and I'm like, hey, man, that is a phenomenal jacket. Thinking like, however these guys react to me, that's a good gauge on how I look in the context of this room, you know? How are the people going to react to me when I walk out on stage? So let's get a little litmus test here. So I go, hey, man, that is an amazing jacket. And the guy whose jacket it is turns to me, looks me kind of for a second and just goes, thanks, and turns back <laughs> like, you're a, why are you talking to me? Dirty fucking pants, T-shirt, wear a motherfucker, wash your hands and get out. He looked at me like he was surprised that I was washing my hands, you know? So I go backstage. I'm like, well, great. There's a tech for the show. It's the first person I've seen who looks like, you know, okay, I can talk to this guy. I'm like, hey, man, what's the deal with the show? He gives me the, the like, oh, it's a charity for cancer and whatever. And then he goes, you're cool to speak out of that lectern mic, right? They've got a, they haven't got a microphone for me because the charity doesn't want to pay for a mic. They've got a lectern, like, a, like you know, like a TED Talk with a little mic coming out of the side of the lectern. And I'm going to do comedy out of that, which is on the side of the stage. It's not even really on the stage. It's just to the side of the stage. I'm like, please get me a mic. Anyway, I feel like I'm rambling right now. Long story short, I go out and I bomb 15 minutes. I was supposed to do 10 minutes, but I'm trying to like, I lost track of time because I was trying to talk to him. And basically there were about 30 tables and three of them were listening one on each side of the stage and another one just in front. So I'm like trying to play to the tables, but even them, I try and talk to one and the one that I'm not talking to stops listening. And it's a nightmare basically, but I go out, I do my set. I was pretty proud of myself that I did the set and I didn't, I didn't feel anything. I just knew that I was bombing, but I was like, I don't care. Everyone was just talking in the room. No one was like booing or whatever. I just, no one was really paying attention. I get out back and um, I'm like, well, you know, that's over. A um, couple nice things happened. One, a dude from the show, as soon as I got off stage, came out the back and shook my hand and was like, man, I love that. That was great. And made a comment about a story that I told. I was like, okay, I guess I did a good job of pretending like I wasn't bombing or like still doing my act, you know. And, um, and the other thing was I met this lady... <laughs> Uh, Sally Cooper was her name who was playing violin straight after me and uh, she was like oh it sounded okay and I'm like man no one was listening to me she's like oh it sounded good I was like that's very kind of you to say and then she goes out and her intro is like this next lady she's played with uh, oh who's that guy again the boss fuck um, whatever the, oh it's on the tip of my tongue the boss you know who I'm talking about the boss, the Bruce Springsteen. Thank you. She's played with Bruce Springsteen. Thank you, ghosts in my house. She's played with Bruce Springsteen. She's played with this and that. Beyonce handpicked her to play violin at Jay-Z's birthday party. Sally Cooper, she goes out. She's playing pop hits on the violin with a backing track. And within, and she's got the most, oh my God, the most incredible fucking dress you've ever seen. Like, like shiny. I'm, I would believe that it was made of diamonds. <laughs> 
<laughs> like it's just shiny and all individual stones or whatever. And she goes out and within the first song, she's standing on the stage. Everyone's already paying attention. She finishes that first song and then she walks down the stairs and into the tables and she's weaving in and out of the tables and everyone's standing up and singing at this point. She's playing, uh, what was she playing? Dancing Queen by ABBA. There are people within 10 minutes from when I left the stage to complete and utter indifference. I was on the stage. No one even really cared that there was comedy on, that there was a performer there. They were just like eating their dinner and, and talking to each other. 10 minutes from that, she's got people standing, dancing, singing in the room and she does 10 minutes in, out, bang, done, round of applause, off stage, game over. I was just sitting on the, on the fucking stairs just laughing, losing my shit. Like this is how hard I bombed that she was able to crush like that in 10 minutes. And um, backstage, I'm like, man, I say to her, Sally, thank you so much. You just gave me the greatest story ever. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, like just the juxtaposition of like you gave me a yardstick with which to measure my bomb and uh, and then the lady running the show comes out and Sally goes over to her and is like, oh my God, it's you. It's you. She like takes the masquerade mask off. Oh my God. Oh my, oh, it was amazing. Thank you so much for letting me do this. And she goes, I could feel her. I could feel your friend out there when I was playing in the middle of the room. I could feel your friend. And I'm like, well, all right. Any respect that I had for you is, is ebbing away. Like, come on, man, really? Maybe she's spiritual. I don't know. I'm a cynical cunt, so I don't believe that when I hear it. But I could feel your friend. Fuck off, man. <laughs> Really? You could feel the spirit of this person who you just met, their friend, and you were out there playing. Well, maybe you just like playing the violin. Maybe that's what it is. And you just get a fuzzy feeling inside because you like playing the violin. I don't fucking know. I don't believe in spirits. Right? If you didn't know that this show was for someone, would you really say that you could feel their friend or did you need to know that there was a friend to feel so to attribute that feeling to whatever? That's... My thought that's my thoughts on them, but <laughs> who cares who asked me? Anyway, so they're like chatting and I feel like I'm overstaying my welcome a little bit, but just as I'm and I'm like trying to be once I realise that this is the event, I'm putting on a little bit more of my respectful tone, you know. I'm like, thank you so much. It was really uh, thank you for having me here and oh my god, you guys look amazing. This is an amazing event and and I'm like what was this event for? Can you tell me a little bit about this thing? Trying to be respectful. And uh, she goes, well, uh, it was going to be six years ago. My son uh, has a mental illness, she says, and it was going to be an event to raise money for that mental illness charity. And um, just before the event was supposed to be held, uh, her son tried to kill himself. And so she goes, you know, it was awful and obviously we couldn't, put the event on, didn't get the deposit back on the theatre, um, which would be a lot of money, I guess. And uh, the years went past and her and her friend kept saying, we've got to put this event on, we've got to put this event on. And uh, earlier in 2019, they said to each other, we've got to put it on. In 2020, we're going to put this show on or before 2020 or whatever it was. They go, we've got to do this. And uh, then a few months before it was supposed to be on, her friend, who she was running it with, got 
cancer and died of cancer. And so they changed it from being a mental health thing to being a, a cancer fundraiser and that night was for her. So really lovely and I'm glad that I'd, I... When I was out there bombing, a part of me thought of this story about Patrice O'Neill turning on a crowd at a charity event who weren't paying attention to him and just finding out what the charity was about and like shitting on the... The charity was about uh, animal welfare so he described how he had a puppy for breakfast, you know, and they all hated him and then he... That's how he got them to pay attention because he's like, you're not going to ignore me. And I thought maybe I'd do that, but I don't think that's suited to me. I don't really want to do that because I don't want people to hate me. But also so glad that I didn't because imagine going up in a room full of people raising money for someone's dead friend and going, anyone who dies of cancer is a fucking idiot. (laughs) Yeah, that probably will get them to hate you. Also, you're not the hero of this story anymore if you go and do that. There's a reason that people hate you. I don't know. I don't understand trying to get people to hate you. There's like a romance to it. Like he went out, just him and the microphone, and they weren't paying attention, so he made them pay attention. Yeah, by getting people to hate you. I don't want to do that. I'm not a dick. I'm not trying to be a dick. If I am a dick, it's just by accident, which in a way is worse, and I'm trying to work on that. Anyway, so the last thing was we were backstage... And, uh, and Sally and the lady, the other, the, the lady who was emceeing the event was like, you guys should get a photo. And I knew she meant the two ladies who have made an effort to dress up and look good for this event. But I was standing there. So they looked at me and they were like, yeah, (laughs) like we'll get a photo with this fucking bum who just bombed on our stage and we don't even know him. The dude who was supposed to be here got him at 2 p.m. today and he's standing next to us wearing a fucking T-shirt. Yeah, we'll get a photo with you, you piece of shit. And (laughs) and I'm proud of myself that I, I, I attempted some grace in that moment and was like, you guys... You, please, you guys get a photo. I'm going to have one with you, one, because I want that for me. But you guys need, you do your thing and get your photo, please. <laughs> so I think that's what I'm going to use as the photo for this episode is, uh, is me standing next to those two uh, women who would never talk to me in any other aspect of my life dressed to the nines and I'm standing next to them dressed in a T-shirt that I bought from Target that afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I love comedy, man. Thank you guys for listening. That's the podcast. I hope you have a great week. This has been Aiden Jones sitting under a tree. Peace. And hate. Runs through my blood Well my tongue was in love But my heart was left above I've got to be leaving now I thought I'd never be shut down But girl, I'm black and blue So bitter that you Well I'd be Turned out in blue Don't break away I waste away 
hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Let's change that. At Zenni.com, our factory direct model means no middlemen or outrageous markups. Just the same quality frames and lens options as the other guys for one-tenth the price. Zenni offers prescription glasses starting at $6.95, as well as affordable sunglasses, blue blockers, and more. The best part? Try any frame anywhere with our 3D virtual try-on. Visit Zenni.com today and change the way you buy glasses forever.